Hey everybody, welcome to Spook Timber. Uh, this is Devour the Podcast side thing where I have been watching a movie a day for the month of September and I am here to let you know how it's all going. Some of these are recommended uh, by you fine folks. I appreciate it. Thank you for adding to my list of stuff to watch. And uh, so enough screwing around. We're not going to make these super long. Just uh, a little bit of a check-in and uh, an overview of the movies I've been watching. So, uh, right out the gate, let's start with The Eyes of My Mother from 2016. I don't do this very often. Do what? Go home with people. Neither do I. Your house is so neat. Thank you. Is this your mother? Yes. What did she do? She was a surgeon in Portugal. What kind? Eyes. We used to do the sections together. What happened to her? I remember I was fascinated by how the inside of the body looked. She always hoped I would be a surgeon one day. Okay, so that's the trailer for that thing. It is written and directed by Nicholas Pesci, who uh, is has done one other movie called Piercing. Uh, this year it was released in the year of our Lord, 2018. And then he's got an upcoming movie, uh, which is The Grudge. He's doing the, the reboot of The Grudge. So this was a movie that had been uh, certainly on my radar. A lot of people really liked it when it came out in 2016. Um, it is a very indie kind of movie. It is, uh, um, black and white front to back. Uh, the synopsis is a young, lonely woman is consumed by her deepest and darkest desires after tragedy strikes her quiet country life. Um, it's got kind of a shocking, like first 10, 15 minutes, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, and, and this is the story of the movie for me at the end of the day. I find the eyes of my mother to be a very interesting, almost uh, scientific kind of film. Like everything about it works. I don't know that I feel a ton of emotional resonance when it comes to this movie, uh, which I feel like I should, right? Like the, the subject matter, which involves a, you know, a young girl who sees this horrible thing happening as a child and throughout her life becomes, um, a, a little troubling at, at times and, and has some psychological fallout, uh, from all this stuff. And anyway, yeah, I just, I just feel like this ought to be a movie that I responded to a little bit more viscerally instead of this very clinical reaction that I ended up having to it, which was to say like, Hey, I think this is all well done. It's, it's a well Shot film, it looks great. The black and white, I think, does add to uh, the the overall impact of the movie. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I thought it was good on a uh, five-star scale um, with half stars allowed, no 
uh, quarter stars because we're not monsters here. You know, I would say the eyes of my mother is a solid three and a half. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. I think it's interesting. I think, uh, the performances are pretty interesting, particularly that of, um, Kika Magalhaes, uh, as, as Francisca, the, uh, the young girl, uh, grown into a woman. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting film. So, um, at any rate, eyes of my mother, three and a half stars. Uh, yay. Hey, number uh, two on my list of movies I've been watching on, on the daily here in spook timber, um, return of the living dead from 1985. Uh, directed and, and written by Dan O'Bannon, not re- reinventing the wheel on this one, folks. Uh, it's return of the living dead. And, uh, here, here's a listen at the trailer. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. is how do we get them back into the ground Frank we have a little problem boiler ten right Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. is nervous. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. the movie line! It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. So what do you say about return of the living dead that hasn't been uh, said before? It is sort of a gold standard um, for eighties horror films, not just eighties horror films. I think um, zombie films in general, it is the one that introduced brains into the lexicon, you know, previously to the best of my knowledge, unless someone has a correction, 
I don't think that had ever been really a thing that zombies have to eat brains. It had just been, you know, zombies will eat living things. And so it adds that uh, to the mythology. It's got some absolutely iconic moments, whether it's Linnea Quigley uh, as, as trash dancing around naked on, uh, on tombstones, um, whether it's uh, Tom Matthews as Freddy. Uh, one of my favorite things I've ever heard in a horror movie is him saying, I know you're there, Tina. I can smell your brains. Um, he's great. I think uh, James Karen is, is absolutely fantastic in the movie as, as Frank, the buddy who uh, ends up going all zombie, but reluctantly so. Uh, Clue Gulliger as Bert is great in the film. Um, I watched this on uh, the, the Scream Factory release. I thought it looked good. It's probably the best I've ever seen the movie look. And I'll tell you, the, one of the things that's really, really unsettling to me about this movie is that it still packs the capacity to be unsettling. It is so nihilistic. It is so dark and grim that even watching it now... Uh, I found myself jumping at one point, like it's a movie I've seen a bunch of times and I still really get into it and, and, and it spooks me the hell out. Um, there is something about the marriage of the anarchic punk characters with this sense that, Oh, there's an, a, a really defiant anti-authoritarian streak that runs through the movie that I really appreciate the scene with uh, with Frank doing himself into Rokey Erickson's Burn the Flames is one of those scenes burned into my brain as a child that I've always thought was one of the coolest scenes in horror films uh, ever, 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 ever. It's just a tremendous movie. Like, I, you know, again, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, you know Return of the Living Dead. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. It if I were going to say that it has any real flaws, it's just that some of the performances aren't great in it. Like I know Linnea Quigley is, is a big fan favorite, but she's not a great actress. And there are some line reads in this movie that I don't think are terribly good. And, but I like pretty much everything else about it. I like, uh, Beverly Randolph as Tina as the, you know, the, very much the girl next door. And, uh, I like, uh, suicide, the, the guy that everybody hangs out with because he's got a car. It just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. And one line that made me laugh that probably, uh, never had before is when, uh, Colonel Glover, the guy who, uh, initially shows up right after the credits, uh, to disrupt the film kind of with him coming home and his wife saying like, how was your day? Crap. You know, he's just, he's so gruff when she's like, oh, I made your favorite. We're having meatloaf or whatever. I had it for lunch. It's just the best. Um, it's a very funny movie, but as, as funny as it is, it doesn't forget to be scary. And I, I think that Return of the Living Dead is still really unnerving and scary in a lot of ways. So uh, on a scale of one to five, uh, Return of the Living Dead gets a, a, a solid four and a half. You know, you catch me on the right day, I give it a five. Um, Return of the Living Dead's a fantastic movie, and if it, if it's one of those that slipped under your radar, by all means, watch the Return of the Living Dead. It has a lot of fun with previous zombie mythology and and invents some of its own in a way that that sort of 
makes zombie movies its own. Uh, absolutely critical uh, viewing on your Halloween list, I think. Uh, next up on the list, 2016's Are We Not Cats? Directed by Xander Robin and written uh, by Xander Robin as well, or Robin, Robin. Um, Are We Not Cats is uh, described as two strangers spark romance through their unusual habit. Um, here's a listen at it. Can you just come here without warning me? Don't make me turn this into a legal thing. What are you, like, fucking somebody? Yeah. Your mother and I are moving to Arizona. What is the last memory you have of not being totally alone? Just be prepared for what you might be getting yourself into. So yeah, this uh this was definitely one that was recommended to me. It's available on um uh Shutter for free uh if you if you subscribed to uh to that service. And at the end of the day, it's it is basically a love story between two people. It it, it follows in the uh in in the aftermath of quirky films like Benny and June and stuff like that. I'm I don't know that I, other people have compared Are We Not Cats to Benny and June, but it, it, the whole notion of the film is that there there is somebody out there kind of for you. Um, that no matter how weird you are, no matter how off-kilter uh, your your habits or your obsessions may be, that there is something... Um, there, there is a person out there that is, is made for you. And... Uh, I just don't know that I like, here's what I like about the movie is I think that it has some of the coolest production design I've seen in a movie in a while, especially in indie film. My problem with it is that's kind of the only thing to recommend it. Uh, I think that the performances from uh, Michael Patrick Nicholson and Chelsea Lopez are both very good. Um, That's all fine. I just, get real bored watching this movie. I, I feel like it, it spends too much time being a little too quirky instead of just getting around to being an entertaining movie. I certainly have no problem with indie films and I'm sure that somebody out there could level the same complaints with one of my favorite indie films of all time, uh, which is the battery. But yeah, at the end of the day, I just felt like, are we not cats was, an interesting experiment that would have made a much better short film, which is actually what the writer and director Xander Robin um, works in. That's generally his form is, is sort of short, short films and whatnot. And I feel like it's better suited to that than it is a feature length film. I found myself getting a little weary of the film by the end of it and just wanted to get on with its thing. Which once it does, it's fine. But again, I, I think you're spending a lot of time trying to uh, make a thematic statement that has been made before in better films, and that 
aside from some interesting performances and some eccentricity, this movie doesn't do a lot to distinguish itself. So, uh, I'm afraid with, are we not cats? I'm going to have to come down at about a two and a half. I, I don't think it's terrible. Um, but I, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but if you, if you saw it and you told me you really liked it, I'd be like, yeah, I, I get it. If, if you were really into these characters and, and the kind of, you know, laid back vibe that this movie is putting down, um, I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. Uh, I would just tell you, yeah, I, I found the whole thing a little dull at the end of the day and didn't have the impact I, I, I wished it had. So, uh, at any rate, moving on from, are we not cats? Uh, are we not bored? Am I right, people? Um, let's, let's turn our attention to the remake of The Blob. Here's a, here's a listen to that. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a face, you could look it in the eye. If it had a body... You could shoot it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? I want that organism alive. I think you pissed it off. The blob. Terror has no shape. So it's it's kind of no surprise that I like 1988's The Blob. It comes from the uh, writer-director team that brought me my favorite Elm Street movie, I think. Uh, I think I like Elm Street 3 more than I do Nightmare on Elm Street at the end of the day. And uh, Dream Warriors, just, there's something about it that I think is kind of playful and fun and, and also um, exciting and scary when it wants to be and all that stuff. And... So the <laughs> the synopsis of 1988's The Blob is that uh, it is a remake of the 1958 sci-fi horror classic about a deadly blob from another planet which consumes everything in its path. Teenagers attempt without success to warn the townspeople who refuse to take them seriously. And I think that's probably more appropriate for the original Blob than it is for the remake. And yet, um, it, it it all still works. It at the end of the day, the blob is a a movie about a big gelatinous mass. What eats things uh, that get in its way. The, the original film is kind of campy and silly and notable for the fact that Steve McQueen is in it. Um, but it, it, it's not a great movie. It's, it's more of a campy classic uh, in the sense that, Hey, here's a movie you throw on and have a couple of uh, drinks and, and find it to be kind of weird and funny and all that stuff. This version of the blob is much more intent on, if not scaring you, at least grossing you the hell out. The thing that is most remarkable, the thing that is most remarkable about it is that 88's The Blob is one of the best special effects movies of the 80s. 
Um, some of the green screen stuff doesn't necessarily work uh, perfectly, but director, the director of the film, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, who you should know if you don't as the guy who directed um, Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption and The Mist and, and wrote those as well. Um, that they are, they, they set up the characters really well. You know, there's a, a short interlude in the film, uh, where you get, Hey, Kevin Dillon is kind of the, the tough kid, but he's actually a good kid. He's just misunderstood. And here's, uh, the, the local football hero and Jeffrey Demon is the sheriff who dies a rather ignoble death in the film. Uh, slight spoilers there. But it's just really well done. Um, everything is efficient and and geared towards getting you to the point where let's get the blob eaten stuff because that's what you're here for. And it has some genuinely uh, like kind of terrifying imagery when when the blob is eating people. And some of the blob effects I think are incredibly cool. I, as much as I complained about the green screen earlier. There is some stuff where the blob is just whipping tentacles around or the way that it's moving over itself uh, in, in a weird kind of wave motion that is really cool. Um, it's just a really fun movie. It's a great 80s horror flick in that it takes itself seriously enough to, to give you the willies and kind of gross you out. But it doesn't take itself so seriously that it forgets to be a movie and, and that you're there to have a good time. And it reminds me very much of the, you know, that fifties era, Hey, we're going to go to the drive in and we want to see a scary movie. That's what this is. It's just an update of that. And in that respect, I think that, uh, Chuck Russell and, and Frank Darabont do an outstanding job in terms of creating the thing that they remember only updating it in a way that modern audiences can enjoy. And I think it's, for that reason, it's a better movie than the original because the effects are better. The characters are a little better drawn. It feels more modern, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that'll tell you like, Hey, the remake is better than the original when it comes to the blob, you know, the thing, uh, invasion of the body snatchers, the fly and the blob are my four go-tos when, uh, saying that, Hey, sometimes a remake can be better. Um, so on a scale of one, to one to five, boy, it's kind of tough to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say this one's a solid four. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic horror film. And if you've never seen it, if you've never seen the remake of the blob, do yourself a favor. Like it's not, it, it's not going to blow your mind in terms of the characters and, and that kind of thing. These are very cookie cutter, uh, stereotypical kind of characters, but it handles the subject of, Hey, here is a gelatinous, acidic monster in a way that is is really fun. And even the the end, as silly as the end is, uh, I think it works. And in the context of the film, like it's again, it, it's a smart script in that. Hey, we have set this. <laughs> the way that we are going to kill the blob is set up within the first fifteen minutes, and and you just you might have forgotten about it, but you know, to paraphrase Red Letter Media. Uh, you, you might not have noticed, but your brain did. And so when they bring back, you know, the, um, the device with which they are going to stop the blob, it's like, oh yeah, right. That thing from the beginning, that's very smart. That's what good screenwriting does. It sets something up and pays it off later. 
So, yeah, yeah, The Blob. Fucking great movie. Hey, speaking of great movies, uh, check out this trailer for Piranha, the OG 1978 version. Who could have imagined they were there? Who could have predicted they would attack? And now, who would survive? Piranha, they're here. Piranha, they're hungry. What's the matter with you? Piranha, they're unstoppable. Stop that! Hey, keep your hand out of the water. What's wrong with the water? The water is filled with carnivorous fish. Piranha, they call them the devil fish, because wherever they go, hell waits below. They breed like flies. There'll be no way to stop them. Suddenly, no one is safe. And everyone must be warned. The water is now a human death trap. Two people have been killed up there and more have been killed all along the river. You gotta believe it. These are the man-eaters who go beyond the bite of all other jaws. Sharks come alone. Piranha come in thousands. Crazed by the scent of blood, they live by the taste of flesh. With razor teeth, they can strip a man to the bone in a frozen instant of terror. Piranha. They're here. They're hungry. They'll eat you alive. Who can stop them? Yeah, so that's Piranha, directed by Joe Dante, Mr. Gremlins himself, and uh, written uh, by John Sayles, the guy who uh, did The Return of the Secaucus 7, and uh, just a bunch of great movies. John Sayles is a great screenwriter. And uh, stars Bradford Dillman, who is a 70s horror kind of mainstay, or, or certainly... Um, strikes me that way. He was in compulsion and escape from planet of the apes and, ah, oh, geez, the swarm, uh, harvest home. Um, just, you know, all, all kinds of movies like that. Um, bug, he was in bug before the Ashley Judd film at any rate. Piranha is, uh, one of those eco horror movies that followed in the wake of jaws, like, hey, how do we do a movie like Jaws that ain't a great white shark? And somebody came up with the idea of like, hey, what about Piranha? Those, uh, you know, actual carnivore fish. Those can be scary, huh? And um, so, yeah, the the movie uh, is synopsized uh, thusly. When flesh-eating piranhas are accidentally exposed into a summer resort's rivers, the guests become their next meal. And, uh, in addition to Bradford Dillman, it has Heather Menzies, uh, future wife of Robert Urich. Um, sadly both passed away now, which is a shame. Uh, Kevin McCarthy from the original, uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Speaking of that movie, he, uh, is, uh, Dr. Robert Hoke in this film. It's got Keenan Wynn, Dick Miller, uh, Barbara Steele, who has been in geez, every horror movie ever. It seems like pit in the pendulum and Island of Dr. Moreau and, she beast, the doctor and the devil nightmare castle, uh, castle of blood. Again, if, if, 
in the 60s or 70s, if there was a horror movie, Barbara Steele was probably in it. Yeah, it's a scientific experiment. A bunch of cannibal piranhas are let loose uh, on, on the unsuspecting public. And I know a lot of people will tell you, uh, speaking of remakes, that the remake of Piranha is a better film than the original Piranha. And I would say, no, no, sir. Um, this is more of a movie. It has something to say. It has actual characters that you care about. You know, I, I think the character that Heather Menzies plays in, uh, in the film, Maggie McEwen is a fun character. Bradford Dillman is just a cranky old alcoholic. He's really fun in the movie too. Um, Kevin McCarthy as, as the scientist who knows a little too much. He's really fun in the movie. Dick Miller is kind of a jerk resort owner and he's great in the movie and the special effects are, I, I think hold up really well, you know, at some points you, you can absolutely tell like, Hey, we're recycling this shot of piranha swimming, uh, towards the camera, but I kind of don't care. It all works. And there is something about the sound design when the piranhas are attacking, that is really gross and squishy sounding as well as uh, very frantic. And the movie does a fantastic job of capturing the sense of, of frenzy when uh, the piranha are attacking. There's also some claymation monsters and you know, that's, that's near and dear to my heart uh, when they, when they go into uh, Dr. Hoke's lab, it's just a well done horror flick. And as you know, kind of indie as it is. And it feels like it's a Roger Corman kind of production, uh, at times, but it's, it's really fun and all the characters are good. And the, and the story whips along and, you know, you stop every few minutes to have piranhas eat some people. And a lot of times it's kids, a bunch of kids get eaten by piranhas in this movie. And that always makes me happy too. When uh, a movie is like, you know what? Kids are, uh, swimming in this lake and you know what we're going to do? We're going to eat them, uh, with, with piranhas. So yeah, it's great. And just filled with fantastic character actors. Paul Bartel is in it. Yeah. It's just one of those movies where like every face you see is somebody that you kind of know and, uh, they're all doing a good job. They're all taking their, their parts seriously enough that when the movie gets serious, it gets away with it. Uh, I, I think Piranha is a, a fantastic film. And again, if you, you know, let's see our star scale here. I'm going to give this one like four and a half stars. I think Piranha is great. It, it's one of my all time favorite nature run amok movies. Uh, one of the reasons I love the genre so much is that it produces movies like Piranha. And Hey, speaking of nature, uh, coming after people, let's get to uh movie number, number six on our list. Almost wrapped up with this one, folks. Um, movie number six is the reef. And, uh, here's a trailer for that. I can't believe you get to sail around the world delivering boats for a living. Where are we heading? Signet Reef. What's there? You'll see. We're here. Wow. <laughs> what happened? Must have hit something. Boat's gonna sink. There's land over there, and that's where I think we should be going. I fish these waters, mate. I know what's out there. I'm not getting in the water. Are you right about this? You're not the only one. 
Something's following us. Izzy, you're freaking me out. That's a shot. Have it be. Take some deep breaths with me. Uh, so yeah, the reef is a killer shark movie from 2010. Uh, it is directed and written by Andrew Trauke. I assume that's how you pronounce his name. Trauke? Trauke? Anyway, Australian film. Um, summarized thusly, a great white shark hunts the crew of a capsized sailboat along a great barrier reef. It's all you need to know. It's a bunch of people out, uh, sailing around, uh, the waters of Australia and uh, their boat turns over. Not sure why. They just hit something, turns them over. And they uh, they end up having to make a decision of like, hey, the, the current is taking us out to sea uh, further away from potentially being rescued. So do we just sit on this boat that is probably going to continue to sink and take us away from rescue? Or do we jump in the water and try to make uh, a swim for uh, the Great Barrier Reef and, and hope that someone picks us up? Um, the problem is as one of the characters, uh, who is, who decides not to go swimming is that the water is filled with sharks because that's what they have in Australia is animals that want to eat you. Uh, whether you're on land or in the water, um, there is something in Australia to, to bite you. And yeah, it's, so the reef is a, one of my favorite shark films. I, I think it's my favorite behind jaws because most of the footage that they use is from actual sharks. It is not a giant shark. The sharks don't have super intelligence. Um, <laughs> the sharks are just doing what sharks do, which is they wait until somebody strays from the pack or, um, presents an opportunity to get eaten. And then the sharks fucking eat them. And that's what happens a lot in this movie. Uh, I think the actual underwater photography is really well done. There are some great shots of, hey, that shark is just swimming in the distance. And we can see him. And he hasn't started eating us yet. But he's following. And we know that that shark knows that we're here. And uh, there are some good deaths. There's some pretty, some pretty raw moments and it's not terribly graphic but it feels that way and it's very tense you know in a way that few films are uh the original open water i think does a pretty good job of uh of some of this stuff as well but i think the reef actually does it even better than that it feels uh is shot in a very you know faux documentary kind of style it's not quite found footage but it is uh very grounded uh like i said the sharks don't do anything crazy there's a sharks just shark um, but it's effective, you know, watching it again, I found myself really tense through a lot of the movie, even though I know how it ended up, you know, I knew, I knew, uh, who was going to make it, who wasn't going to make it. And nonetheless, I was like, son of a bitch, man, it, it, it's a real fun thought experiment of like, okay, would I, would I make that trip? Like the best part of the movie to me is 
there's a, one of the guys who, who doesn't swim for safety is a guy who is, uh, sort of co-captaining the ship. And when the ship capsizes and they're like, Hey, we're going to strap on the, the wetsuits and make for the reef. And he's like, not doing it. I know what's in that water. Not touching it, man. You're, you're on your own. I have no interest in swimming with sharks. And does he make it? Mm, I'm not going to spoil it here. But uh, if you've never seen The Reef and you like movies where there are animals what eat people, The Reef is a movie you ought to watch. You kind of owe it to yourself. And uh, on our, our one to five uh, scale, you know, I don't want to go overboard because I don't want to oversell this movie to you. Uh, you know, it's a solid three and a half, um, which it, it's a more enthusiastic three and a half than the eyes of my mother, the eyes of my mother is one of those movies that it's like, yeah, this is really well done and you should kind of watch it for a technical reason. The reef is, is, is good technically, but, uh, but it's also really, you know what? I've talked myself into four. This is a four star movie. So thanks everyone. Thanks for coming along with me on that one. Um, okay. Last movie in, uh, in spook timber, um, or at least for the first edition of our, our spook timber, uh, summary. And speaking of animals that like to eat people, it is the kind of remake of the movie Grizzly called Into the Grizzly Maze. And like I said, people, if you don't uh, if you don't suggest a movie to me, I'm going to watch a movie where an animal eats somebody, and uh, especially a movie where a giant bear eats Billy Bob Thornton. cutters or what's left of them yeah, it's a bear damn right it's a bear a big nasty son of a bitch lord have mercy he's the best tracker i know he's a butcher somebody's gonna go after this thing you deal with your brother i'm coming with you what are you up to i was gonna go out to the grizzly maze and pay respect to dad gotta do this one alone there's a killer bear out here three people are already dead this time we stick together the grizzly maze even grizzlies can get lost down there bears are scared looks like they're all leaving the maze like they're running from something i think we've got a problem we're in the kill zone when you see that bear you kill it looks like your bear was tracking us this ain't your average bear. This is a clever one. You gonna play tag with us? Our best shot. Too deep in the maze. Ah! It's back. This bear is not territorial or hungry. It's pissed off. When a grizzly gets angry, all of you taste the same. So Into the Grizzly Maze came out in 2015. Um, it is directed by David Hackle, uh, who directed Saw 5 and was production designer on a bunch of the Saw, Saw films. Did a real detective 
TV series. Not a ton of stuff. He's got a movie called Daughter of the Wolf uh, coming out uh, pretty soon with Gina Carano and Richard Dreyfuss, which is awesome. I mean, why why isn't Richard Dreyfuss in more stuff? I don't know. At any rate, um, Into the Grizzly Maze is summarized as two estranged brothers reunite at their childhood home in the Alaskan wild. They set out on a two-day hike and are stalked by an unrelenting grizzly bar. In reality, this story is James Marsden, Cyclops, and those X-Men movies. He's kind of a, a prodigal son who returns home. Thomas Jane is his cop brother. Uh, Piper Parabo is Thomas Jane's wife. And Scott Glenn, uh, who is always great, is the local sheriff. And uh, a bear has come in, has killed a couple of people. Billy Bob Thornton is kind of a crazy hunter who just shows up in the movie to talk about how this ain't your usual bar. This bear, he's going to eat you. You ain't never dealt with a bear like this. Yeah, he says a lot of stuff like that in the movie, which I love. I love characters like that. They're like, no, you don't understand. This bear, he's different. Uh, he he can read your mind. He's he's practically a vengeful forest spirit. It is a great <laughs> animal attack movie because it's essentially a slasher film with a bear. You know, we set up a couple of people doing bad things to the environment, and then the bear shows up and kills those people for doing bad things to the environment. It's it's just a fantastic film, and and, and I say that knowing. It's not a very good movie, but it's also really, really fun. It's just uh, like the bear attacks are are incredibly visceral. Um, there's some good like just bear paw on person action that I really like. It's very silly in a way that I can get behind. And I don't know. You know, it, I've seen it, what, three, four times at this point, And I will see it again before I die. Fingers crossed. Into the Grizzly Maze is, is just a movie that kind of makes me happy. It's just there's plenty of bear action in it to, to keep you satisfied. And uh, the characters are fine. It's not, look, we're not doing anything special with these characters, even less so than, you know, something like Piranha, where the characters are at least a little more multifaceted. This one, it's like, hey, the the prodigal son come home is not as bad as you think he is. And, you know, he and Thomas Jane are going to uh, come to some understanding by the end of the film and all that usual stuff. That all said, there is still a giant bear eating people about every 10 to 15 minutes. And it, for that alone, uh, it makes me happy. Is it as good as something like piranha? No, absolutely not. But it's good enough that, I kind of recommend it if you're a fan of, of movies where animals eat people like myself, it's good. There's some CGI blood on the back end of it. That's really bad. But for the most part, it, you know, it holds together pretty well. I think it, uh, mostly sticks the landing, uh, when it comes to killer animal movies. So on our, our one to five scale, this one truly is a three and a half star movie. Um, I, I do recommend it. Uh, if you like this kind of film, if you, if you're not in the mood to see a bear chase people and then occasionally eat them, um, and maybe not the movie for you, but then again, what are you doing? Listen to this. If you're not that kind of person, I don't know. So that's the first seven. That's my, my first seven of spook timber. I'll be back in a week to talk, uh, some more about, uh, movies, what I've been watching. Uh, if, if you like to recommend something, want to hear my thoughts on a movie, 
uh, hop over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash devour the podcast and uh, drop me a line. Let me know if there's something you, you feel like I should watch. Also, uh, while we're doing some promotion, um, hop over to the Twitter and you can find me at Legion Podcasts. You can find this show and others at legionpodcasts.com. Uh, as well as uh, over on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. So if you're enjoying this show and, uh, and other shows here on the Legion Podcasts Network, um, drop on. We've got, uh, you can, not only can you give us some money, which would be great, and we certainly appreciate it, but uh, we have some exclusive content over there, and there's going to be more to come. So, uh, so far it's a commentary with me and the Friday the 13th guys. Andrew and Maddie, as we talk about Children of the Corn, we've got another commentary coming um, by the time you hear this in about a week, little little over a week. So lots of fun stuff over there. Uh, give it a give it a look, give it a listen, and uh, and help support some of the shows you love. Um, but that's it. So we'll uh, we've got a um, a new episode of Hero Hero Go Show coming this month. We've got new Devour the Podcast featuring the Nun and um, another movie, Berlin Syndrome are the two movies we're covering this month. And then that's all in preparation for getting down to Halloween time. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you've been watching and, and what you think, uh, you may, and what you think I should watch maybe. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Everyone's a title of a fun good scare, good scare, good scare, good scare.